0: Hello everyone, this is Kat and welcome to a new episode of the Awaken Together podcast. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, one who is no stranger to the show. She is my friend, Jennifer Hoffman. Welcome, Jen. Hi, Kat. I'm so excited to be back here with you. So excited to have you back, your episode with us. It was, I looked back, it was season two, episode five. We recorded it back in March, 2022, and so much has happened between then and now.
1: (laughs) Wow, you said March, 2022? Yeah, March 3rd.
0: Wow,
1: so like a year and a half ago.
0: Pretty much, crazy. Yeah. And your episode about the Akashic Records has been one of our fan favorites, one we get the most questions about, and one that Jen Wilson and I personally love talking about with our community the most. So thank you again, and thanks for coming back on.
1: I'm so honored, and I'm so grateful that the work with the Akashic Records has touched you too, as well as You know, all those um, that listen and that want to partake in this work, that's just so beautiful to hear.
0: Yeah, totally and when Jen and I were thinking about like this episode which we're going to call birth as a portal (laughs) we were thinking about who in our network could we talk about who we really respect especially on the spiritual journey side of things and thinking about like all the energetic shifts that become that come with becoming a mother all the decisions that lead up to it and you were the clear like yes we have to see if Jen will do it so thank you for being being willing to share all of your stories and takeaways with us in the community. Oh, I'm
1: so thrilled to to be here and to be able to do it. So thank you both for thinking of me. This is truly so exciting.
0: Oh, of course, yeah. And I mean, we have to give a little shout out to your little man, Lucas, who became made you into this mother that you are now. So, how is Lucas doing? How old is he, and everything?
1: Oh, thank you. Lucas is doing so great. He's almost 10 months now, which is just so wild. Um, he was born December 29th last year in 2022. Um, I was due on New Year's Eve, so we weren't sure if he would become a 2022 baby or a 2023. And he was two days early, which is uh, seems to be more his speed. He seems to be cruising on the early side with things. He loves to chat and babble. He's been teething and has six teeth now. He's um, exploring, really loving to clap. He loves to crawl all over the floor and is starting to stand on his own by kneeling and pulling himself up. He's just really a little adventurer
0: trying to see and do all the things right now. Oh my gosh, so sweet. And he is just the cutest. He looks like such a smiley little guy.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yes, he is. He's generally a very happy and joyful baby, you know, unless if he's uh, teething and not feeling good or just tired.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. The normal life things.
1: <laughs> yes, don't
0: we all? We all need that rest. Oh yeah, of course. Gotta feel it all, right? Yes yeah, well, we're excited to get into the meat of things. Um, we were finding that, you know, along this ride, a lot of us, our listeners, are kind of contemplating this decision right now of like, do I have children? We have some friends who are pregnant who have had children, too. So I wanted to start off by asking you, have you always seen yourself becoming a mom?
1: That's a great question. So I didn't always see myself as a mom. And for a long time, uh, I thought I didn't want children. I thought that it just felt too much. It felt overwhelming. It felt like um, the world was a scary place. Why would I want to bring a child here? And it felt like there were, I didn't know at the time, there was something called ancestral patterning. I didn't realize um, the spiritual aspects of it, but I knew that I was carrying in a way like ancestral codes, ancestral patterning that I did not want to pass on to children. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I deeply felt that it wasn't meant for me because of those things. And I really think it took, um, being on the spiritual journey and evolving in my own way along this path to really open myself up to this. And I will say it was very gradual. It didn't start until probably around 2018 when I was in my late twenties. Um, I was dating a guy at the time who was 12 years older than me and he had kids of his own already. And he did not want more kids. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was a very physical situation that the universe presented to me saying like, okay, here's a decision. Are are you really good with not having kids? Mm -hmm. And I felt a lot of inner turmoil with that. And while dating him, he ended up moving. I live on the East Coast. He ended up moving to the West Coast of California. And with that split, I like really felt That life wasn't meant for me. And I felt this tug on my heart. That was the very beginnings of it. There was, Yeah, it's so crazy. Um, That's like a very tangible instance of like, he was very much an activator for my path, like mirroring back to me, like what, almost like a crossroads for my soul. Like, do you really want to go this way? And it felt like it was a turning point for
0: sure. It seems like it, like what an impactful relationship just to kind of force you to make those decisions and just have those thoughts for yourself. Like, is this what I want? Am I actually okay with this? And sounds like it brought a lot of clarity to you, which is so great.
1: Yes. And then um, moving into a more uh, mystical way, you know, this was even before my spiritual awakening, it was like a random day in probably. A wintry day I was in target I was walking and you know how sometimes you just see something and you know you're drawn to it you're like I I need that uh-huh sure I, do. I saw this random stuffed unicorn that was in the target like kids bedding section it was on sale for like five dollars no idea logically whatsoever why I needed this unicorn I ended up buying it keeping it for years. And then after I had my spiritual awakening, I started connecting to the soul of a child while in meditation. And I could feel then years later, that the energies of the unicorns are with these children, these unborn souls that are waiting to come through. Mm. My gosh, so it, it get, yeah, it gives me chills. It's just like, even then, before I was aware consciously, um, in this deeper way, I, I, my, my soul was guiding me to, to reach out, to connect with the soul of a child in that way. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's so fascinating. These things come out, it seems like of nowhere, but it's really the soul guiding you and the, the soul of the child.
0: Totally. And I mean, kudos to you for listening and putting that all together, right? Knowing that it wasn't just like this disparate thing, but understanding that connection over time, too, I think is so powerful.
1: Yes. Yes. And then there was one other thing I'd love to mention. Um, As I was deepening my spiritual practice, one of the things that I did on my journey was I attended a Dr. Joe Dispenza event. Um, Maybe some listeners have heard of his work. He teaches a certain type of meditation style. Um, And while I was at the event, it was July of 2021. While I was there in a meditation, I connected with one of my grandmothers who is deceased. Mm -hmm. And she gave me the message, I'm so excited for grandbabies.
0: That
1: just felt like, like the nail on the coffin, in a sense. It was just like, like I knew it wasn't me. I never used the word grandbabies. That's definitely something my grandmother would say. And wouldn't, you know, less than like around seven months later, I I was pregnant.
0: Wow. Oh my goodness. That is wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so, it's so amazing
1: how the divine and our souls work
0: and how beautiful to know even now that she she knew this was going to happen and that she has this connection i'm sure with Lucas and just seeing this all happen unfold in your life right now
1: yes yes it's it's so beautiful to 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 know that
0: truly. Oh, and um you had mentioned when we were talking before about connecting with this child soul through the records and how you actually chose to um have the support of somebody else to do this. Can you share more about that?
1: Yes. So, um I would connect to Lucas while he was in the womb on my own and I would I would do this in different ways, but one of the most uh, prominent ways that I would choose to do it was usually in the bath that just felt the most aligned for him and I. Um, yet, there's just something about with using the records and how potent and powerful there are. A lot of times, I really appreciate utilizing someone else, um, not for outsourcing my answers or or Uh, looking externally for what to do, yet it's just for providing deeper clarity. I think as a human, um, my emotions can get in the way sometimes for being a clear channel when I'm accessing the records myself. So it's beautiful to have that other uh, resource to utilize for that. And um, the the teacher that I learned the Akashic records from, I reached out to her and actually booked a session with her to connect with Lucas in a deeper way. And she gave me some practices. She gave me some tools and some deeper insight into how to support him in an energetic way in looking at, um, how I'm showing up for him in, um, ways that we could just deepen our connection and that was just so nourishing for us uh while I was in that space like Lucas was was here he was in my body yet he wasn't you know physically fully here you know in the physical form he was (laughs) cooking
0: so to speak right (laughs) still inside that's so I'm so glad you had that as a resource and it makes sense. I mean, when you're pregnant and all your hormones are just like having a party and we are in a heightened emotional state, I think that's so great that you like acknowledge that and sought just some outside expertise by someone that you know and trust already. So, so good to hear that she she was able to give you those tools and it sounds like it was really magical to be able to connect with him in all those ways.
1: It was, it was, um, you know, just as always, there's, there's like mystical, magical things that will present, but then there's also very tangible things. And it's just, it's just so, so beautiful to be able to connect in that way.
0: Mm-hmm. And question on that when you were connecting with his soul when he was still inside of you cooking. Um <laughs> now that you know him so well, like post-birth, he's been with you for um almost a year now. Has how how is that connection? Was it very similar in feeling? Has it changed? I'm just curious about that.
1: In some ways it's similar, and in other ways it's very different. Um so when I would just connect to him on a soul level purely it was hard to date his gender I'll be honest at first because I think the souls of children they just feel so pure and so loving that they almost feel feminine in nature does that make sense
0: yeah it does
1: so it's just everything felt so like like the essence of the unicorn
0: mm-hmm
1: like pure and magical and so high vibration and loving and almost feminine and, and beautiful and uh, light in general. And and now that he's here in the physical, you know, almost like that, that, that essence is still there yet. There's like more depth and multifaceted aspects to his nature. There's some things that are like, for lack of a better word, more dense because he's in human form. It's like there's the whole range of emotions and energy that he presents. And um yeah, it's just, you know, he'll when he's upset, he lets us know and he'll scream about it until I find what's what's wrong. And um some so other things they translate, uh they translate over pretty well too like i could sense between my own connection with him and working with um my men- mentor with the r- the records um that he was very connected to like foliage and plants and nature and that is so prominent now still mm-hmm. that is very like he loves being outside he loves being around trees he loves being in the grass being in the dirt um so s- certain things like that translated to um. very well it's it's funny to watch
0: yeah that's super cool to think about I think just that transition and getting to know him as a little person so so cool yes um, and I'm sure like while you were pregnant there were so many lessons that you learned and experienced but do you mind sharing some of those yes so
1: oh there were so many i'm sure like looking back and reflecting um i think one of the biggest things that is unique um watching my body change my my relationship with my body and and how i witnessed and watched it changing was not how i expected i you know think you know with our culture you know magazines there's such a, a a pull and such an emphasis on body image and how we look and how thinner used to be better and all that stuff. And I didn't feel bad or guilty seeing my body grow. Um, first, I felt a little uncomfortable, but I think that's because I just looked bloated. I didn't look pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Um, yeah, but it was just so neat to witness my body. Taking form. And then I think what even emphasized that was watching and feeling him move within me. Like, you know, I very much knew this was my body being the blessing and the beautiful vessel that it could be to nourish and nourish him and keep him alive. Um, I think knowing that was and reminding myself of that was huge. And on the flip side, what has been interesting is now watching my body postpartum because I felt like I had such an easeful uh, relationship with my body during pregnancy. I kind of expected that same thing postpartum and I, I didn't feel that way. I felt kind of like, oh, my body's taking a really long time to shift now. it's It looks really different. Um, And I felt very uncomfortable in my body for many months, I would say, like, I still have some discomfort, but I'm, I would say it took at least six to eight months for me to start to feel more like myself. Um, And I didn't expect that uh, because I think, you know, unless if you know someone personally, we don't hear the ins and the outs and you kind of expect like, oh, you expel. The baby, you expel the placenta. Now it's just me again. Mm -hmm. But it's like it took those nine months to build those things. And I think it takes the body at least nine months, if not more, to help guide itself back. And then there's still that energetic connection between the baby and the mother for at least a year. I would say even more going into toddlerhood. So it's like my body didn't even feel like mine which was super interesting. Like that took me a really long time to feel okay with that. It was like, it felt, it felt like it was more of a support system for Lucas. It's, it's hard to put into words, honestly, until you experience it. It's, um, sort of surreal. It just, it didn't, it's nothing like I've ever experienced before. It was, my body wasn't just my body. It was his really. <laughs> it so. makes
0: sense. Yeah. And I just have constant chills over here, like hearing every word. And I have some friends out here who are new moms as well. And they've actually shared like pretty similar sentiments to you. And that whole mm. of the body being this vessel and support and the whole like, nine months in nine months out, like the baby doesn't fully recognize it's even separate from your body. From what I've heard for at least nine months, like postpartum, they still think of it as like their home. And so it is just incredible. Like, wow, what a miracle our bodies are. And just the fact that they can create and sustain life for so long. Um, it's no wonder, I mean, all the shifts and I mean, all the work that I know you've done in your life to develop your sense of like body love and feeling that almost regression post-birth, but also that beautiful remembrance of what your body just did and what it continues to do for you and your baby.
1: Yes, that's such a beautiful summary of that. And it's so interesting how you mentioned that Um, In that way, because I heard a psychotherapist talk about this, how the baby doesn't recognize a difference between themselves and their mother. And that's why babies tend to say dada first, because dad is the first person that they recognize is somebody outside of themselves.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: (laughs) Yes, they're considering like them and their mother to be the same unit. So then it's like later, once they start recognizing more is outside of themselves, and they recognize, oh, mom is different than me. That's mama.
0: Oh, I could cry. That is so beautiful. Yeah, isn't that Um, wild? It's so neat. I mean, it makes (laughs) sense too. It's like this body created me. It's like I am this body, right? Oh wow, so cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I know like the lessons must be abound. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, there was about... one Yeah, go ahead. There Please. was there was one other one. Can I share that? Please do. Yes. Yes, so something that I did not expect being um because I've never heard anyone talk about this, but On my spiritual journey, I I didn't realize this is this is interesting to say this, but it's just, you know, I think a lot of times we are on our journey and we have our own perspective and that's our normal. So we don't see otherwise. Um, And I I was very connected to my upper chakras, Mm -hmm. being able to do this work with the Akashic and connecting to over souls and um, how I see clairvoyantly and different things like this. And then when I got pregnant, a lot of that shifted and some of it stopped. And at first I thought something was very wrong. And upon reflection and speaking to some people and just tuning into my body, I realized, oh, my intuition didn't leave. It just shifted and everything was focused on my lower chakra's like my root chakra, my, my sacral, my solar plexus, everything was going into that area of my body and feeling and supporting the baby. So that was really interesting to witness and feel and experience. And now postpartum, I'm kind of, I'm experiencing a shift back where I'm definitely in tune with my upper chakras more so again, and feeling there more deeply and everything feels more I would say aligned and in flow, and more consistent between all my chakras that's
0: incredible I mean just to show like the shift from before during and after and what sounds like a true opening has occurred for you throughout this whole shift of becoming a mother and I think it makes so much sense because our our sacral chakra that's the space of creation that's the womb space and so much during pregnancy from what I've heard and from what I understand is relating to the root as well and your sense of your foundation your nesting your safety security being able to provide the basic needs for not only you but this new soul that you're bringing into the world and then also with your solar plexus like the mid middle of the body um this is a space of ego and confidence and your sense of self so i mean just thinking about that it, it totally makes sense plus the additional um blood flow and work that your body's doing in those spaces, a true opening and flow that just sounds so incredible that you're you're still feeling that kind of bounce between the top and the middle and the bottom, even after birth.
1: Yeah, it's so fascinating. I'm sure it shows up for people differently, yet um, I think just hearing my experience with how I felt that, I hope that can maybe provide some clarity in putting to words, maybe what some people are experiencing, because sometimes we might be experiencing it yet. We don't, we can't find the words to really describe
0: what we're feeling. Yeah. The words are always hard for me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Aquarius, I'm always up in my head. All the thoughts come and go so fast that sometimes the words are just secondary. I wish I could just transfer (laughs) thoughts to people. (laughs) Yes. Um, But you said the words so beautifully. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Oh, I relate. So I'm glad, I'm glad we can talk about it and appreciate it. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Oh man, fellow upper chakra liver. (laughs) Right over there. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, and you actually, I love this. You opted for a non-traditional delivery. And this is something that I've thought a lot about myself, um, like in the realms of home birth and having a doula and just, um, thinking about what we truly want and need from this experience outside of what is really common with society of a traditional hospital birth. So I'd love it if you could share more about how you made that decision and how it all felt for you.
1: Yes. So, um, well, I'll start off by saying everyone in my family and everyone that I know has given birth in a hospital setting. Um, So that's all I knew previously. And that's, I think, always when I envisioned a birth, that's what I kind of expected. And uh, social media opened my eyes to seeing other alternatives of what's out there. And so cool. it's good for yeah. something. <laughs> yes, yes, it's good not all bad. It's yeah. um, definitely opened my eyes, and I think uh, what I first started looking for was a birthing center because um, I was interested in looking for something that would be not so like cold and medicinal feeling. There's nothing wrong with the hospital, of course. I think everyone you know knows um what works for them and what kind of birth experience they want but personally i wanted something that was like more relaxed and more comfortable um and uh there were no birthing centers around me mm-hmm. <laughs> where i live in pennsylvania it's more rural and it's more kind of like western medicine focused and that's all that was available mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. what i what i did find was a midwife who worked with doulas and she had her own practice and she offered home birthing services. And I will tell you, I did feel a little fear around it at first that I had to work through. Um I think, you know, naturally the human mind, the ego wants to go to like what the fear-based thoughts of like, well, what if this? What if this goes wrong? What if that? And um, I had to really go with like my gut instincts and what my heart was pulling me to do. And this just felt the most aligned. Like it felt like not just for me, but for what Lucas wanted for being brought into the world, it felt like something more nourishing and comfortable um, was most aligned as well as after doing research, I chose that I wanted to go down the path of using um, a birth style that is like least invasive, the least invasive and the most natural as possible. So ideally I didn't want to use an epidural. I didn't want to use certain tools like forceps, um, nothing wrong with that. Of course, um, it's just after doing some research and just feeling with what intuitively felt most aligned for me and for us, that's what felt right. And, um, I think what supported me the most with moving through the fears was I thought about like all the ancestors that came before us in this current time and how like they didn't have hospitals and like they, they had to give birth at home. That's just what they did. Mm -hmm. Um, and like my, my grandmother that I mentioned earlier that came to me in meditation, she was one of 15 children. Her mother gave birth to 15 kids and they were all birthed at home. And, you know, to them, it was normal. Like my grandma used to say, like we would wake up one morning and there'd be another sibling. They were just there. And that was normal. (laughs) Like they wouldn't even know she was pregnant sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, like it was just, (laughs) it would just happen. And it's like, this is natural for the, a woman's body. This is natural to, you know, to to expand, to hold creation, to give birth. It's not some medical condition. It's not abnormal, you know, unless, of course, there's like a medical emergency or something is um, abnormal with the health of the baby or the mother, which my pregnancy was a healthy, um, healthy and normal pregnancy. Um, So I didn't, I think pulling on that ancestral wisdom and that ancestral support is what really helped calm my nerves and ease my fears. Also, my midwife was amazing. I would recommend her to anybody. She not only had extensive training in uh, nutrition and traditional Chinese medicine, she has 10 children herself. So she has like very personal hands-on experience. Um, she, um, has had her practice for years. She would be monitoring things. Like, I think sometimes people think like when you have a home birth, you're like willy nilly, like just going off and not having anything medically checked. Like, that's not the case at all. Like I still had ultrasounds. I still had, um, blood sugar tests to make sure that I didn't have, um, 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 Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the term, but like high blood sugar while pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I was still, I was still like doing all of the things. It was just, um, it was less invasive. Like she, she would not do internal exams. It was more, it was more trusting, you know, the body's natural processes and the body knows what it needs to do. Um, with monitoring those things, with, you know, doing blood work, with um, checking my heart rate, checking my oxygen levels, uh, different things of that nature.
0: A beautiful Um, combination, I think, to have, like, the modern day tools of ultrasounds and testing that they didn't have back then, um, just for like peace of mind and also understanding, like using our resources, right? But also knowing that you have this deep spiritual um, connection with yourself and your body that you've built over time, where you're constantly checking in with yourself too, um, and that feeling of trust that you shared um, with your midwife, like that is that's huge. Um, so. Yay for the combination. I love that we have, that we live in this day and age and we have all these tools and resources available to us.
1: Yes. And um, I will say, you know, going this route, you will appreciate this being um, a fellow graduate from IIN. Like you have a, a, an understanding of nutrition and holistic health, like I do. Um, that, like, I don't know if a home birth would be for everyone because it, a lot of it is based on nutrition. Like, Um, what we eat is not only fueling ourselves, but it's, it's becoming the baby. So, you know, I'm not, I wasn't really using modern medicine to, to aid in, uh, supporting my health because I was using the nourishment of food. And I was also using herbs and things of, um, a more natural nature, which I felt really good about because the midwife, you know, I wasn't like going out. And herbs can be like a weird topic for people, especially when pregnant, because they're not like FDA regulated. But like my, my midwife has that knowledge through TCM and through practice with all of her um, clients, all of her experience with her own birth. And she would know what herbs I could take, what herbs are good to support in different ways. Um, and it was just so beautiful. I felt so held and so nourished with the herbs that I took and the food that I ate.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. um, One of my best friends who was on an earlier episode of the podcast, Courtney, she is an herbalist and she's going to school to become a doula. Um, And so I'm really hopeful that by the time like, Kyle and I are ready uh, for children that she is ready to rock with all that because I want a very similar experience <laughs> to what you've had, ideally, you know, given it's a healthy pregnancy and everything, and just to know like the people in our network and have that sense of trust, like that's everything,
1: yes. And um there were a couple other things I wanted to mention about this. I'm trying to go to the depths of my brain and find them <laughs> <laughs> um. But I, I think the thing that's coming to mind right now is um, another reason why I chose this method was that one of my core values is freedom. And mm-hmm. a lot of times in a hospital setting for hospitals, um, there's certain restrictions or there's certain hospital policies that they try to enforce that they're not actually like required. So mm-hmm. it's like if you do research, you can actually. And choose what you want based on what your needs and you choose because it feels good to you um like a is like usually in a hospital birth setting all babies in a hospital are given a um, antibacterial eye cream right after birth and my midwife explained this to me as they typically give that in case if the mother has an std when the baby goes through the birth canal, they give them the antibacterial eye cream so the baby doesn't develop an eye infection. So it's hmm. to protect an eye infection forming if a mother has an STD. Hospitals aren't necessarily checking the moms. So to just do due diligence on their part, they're just giving it to every baby.
0: Wow. So, I no
1: yeah, so like me, like I, I, I have... I knew I didn't have an STD. I had blood work done at the beginning of my, my pregnancy and I just, I knew I didn't. So it's like, I don't need to give my baby a antibacterial medication right after he's born in those first critical hours or moments. Because, you know, like as, like looking at it from a holistic on larger picture perspective, we know antibacterial medications can affect the gut microbiome. Mm-hmm. which affects immunity and and how your body's ability to um
0: fight infections do all sorts of stuff so mm-hmm. I've actually heard um, that if possible, it's best not to even bathe the baby for at least seven days a week after giving birth because of all of the flora from um, the whole birthing process and how helpful that is to the baby's gut and how it's all absorbed through the skin. So that is just another reason like why something antibacterial would do the opposite of that. And I wonder yes. also, like, how long-term that can cause potential damage to our eyes, you know, in that first moment here, um, having something like that put on your eyes, that just seems logically like maybe not the best idea if you don't have an STD and don't need it.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. So like that, what you just gave an example of, that's another um, great point. Like the, the waxy coating that's typically on babies when they're born, that is actually like a protectant that the body naturally produces. And it, it if, if the baby isn't washed, it gets absorbed in their skin and it greatly helps their immune system in those first critical days of life. In a hospital birth, typically they'll take the baby and they'll bathe it right away. Unless if you request like, hey, I don't want you to bathe my baby and I want to hold my baby now for the golden hour for however long, um, considering you have a healthy birth. Um, You know, I think most places will respect that and you can even put it in writing so that they see it Um, because, you know, there are emergency cases where, you know, maybe the mother isn't um, coherent because they're under anesthesia or they are a little altered consciously because of receiving the epidural or whatever. And that's the other thing I've heard stories where um, babies are kind of just taken and things are done without the mother's consent or letting the parents know like, Hey, this is what we're doing just because it's quote unquote hospital policy. But I believe in, uh, the freedom to be able to choose what happens to our own bodies and the bodies of our children.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I hear you sister. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, this is so important and not a lot of people talk about it. So I'm really glad that where you're sharing all this knowledge. It's so useful.
1: Yes. And I'll just say one other thing quick about a home birth. Like one of the things that I was fearful of was the cost, because I think it's so ingrained in our culture that things cost less when we have insurance and things are covered by insurance. And I will say that a home birth costs less Then I've heard some hospitals cost or some births costing in hospitals with insurance.
0: Wow. That's so So, good to know. I had no idea. Yeah. I I mean, of course, it depends
1: on personal circumstances and location. Like, you know, a baby that is born with a serious condition that must go in the NICU um, with care over like a month. Of course, those hospital bills are going to cost way more than like a healthy baby birth um, with a typical like one or two day stay. Like, I've heard you know, you can do research for your own area that and your insurance and what you have. But I've heard you know, sometimes healthy, normal deliveries can cost you know, up to 10 to 15,000, depending on your area. Whereas, like, that's with insurance, (laughs) depending upon the hospital and the location. But mine was half of that or
0: less. Wow. I mean, Lots of great, great examples here as to yes. why people should like just think about it, right? Like think about what feels best for you. And if you are open to something other than a hospital birth or, you know, maybe even having that as like a plan B backup in some ways, like there's lots of benefits to this alternative route when you really think about it and look it up.
1: Yes. And that's the thing. Like, you know, I had an emergency plan. If something would have gone wrong, my midwife would have transferred me to a hospital and she would have stayed with me and the doula, and they would have been there advocating for me. Um, right. but you know, I just hope this empowers people to know that like you have options. And even if you don't want to give birth at home, you know, a birthing center is a good option too, or you can go to a hospital and you can have written. In writing like, this is what I consent to have. And this is what I do not want. So that's like, if, if you don't want your baby to be washed in the first hour of birth, that they have to respect that, you know, you can, just because it's hospital policy, quote
0: unquote, doesn't make it law. Heck yeah, that's beautiful. I think there's also just a lot of shame. Um, I've shared this with some friends even who are very open-minded people and I've received shame for wanting to um, look into a home birth because of that whole notion of like, well, um, we have hospital births now and the um mortality rate for women and babies has gone down so drastically ever since we started giving birth in hospitals. And I kind of detest that. You know, it's like, why wouldn't you mm. want to give your baby the best shot? Like do it in a hospital. Aren't you crazy? Like, like, no, like, guys, do your research here. Um, I follow Free Birth Society. Do you know that one, Jen? I actually don't, but oh. I feel like that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one that yoga girl on Instagram she shared and was adamant about like learning all their resources and how it changed her birth experience because the first one was very, Like abusive and uh, like toxic, they just Mm. hospital. Her needs weren't met. Um, It was an emergency. She tried to go for a home birth and then ended up having to go to the hospital because like her doula wasn't well prepped and um, the baby's heart rate was skyrocketing and and all these things that kind of led to it. And then once getting there, she was kind of just forced into a C section, even though Mm. she didn't want to have it. Like the doctors didn't look into alternatives and so this time with her second she did all the research and um had all the plans in place and it was a healthy birth and a healthy pregnancy um And it all just like went, it was very healing essentially is what she shared to have things go her way. Um, but also knowing that it's, it was just because of the research she had done, like there was the baby's, um, the cord was wrapped around the baby's neck and we Mm. are caught that in, in, you know, hospital births and, um, any occurrence where that happens it's like one of the worst things that can happen and it can be so um, detrimental if you don't get that fixed right away when actually it's actually very common for the cord to be around the baby's neck and if you simply know how to act and respond in that moment um you just take it away. You don't cut the cord before um, because that would cut off the oxygen, but um before cutting the cord when the baby's still attached, the baby is not breathing through the outside world. And so it's actually okay, you know? So mm. there's so many pieces that I've been doing my due diligence, I feel to learn um and to educate myself because it shouldn't be a shameful decision, you know, if you're Yeah. yeah that's amazing. That's yeah. amazing, cat. You really are doing your due diligence
1: because it's so true. Like even like turning the baby, you hear of so many C-sections because the baby's like breach or they're they're not in the right direction. And it's like there's something called spinning babies where you can do exercises at home or like even in active labor, like there's certain things like sifting and different practices the midwife can do to help to turn the baby. You can lay certain ways, you can do certain things. And there's even babies who are born breach naturally in home births. Like that's, you know, like, what do you think they did years ago? It happens. Um, so I'm, that's amazing that you're you're looking into all of that. And yeah, like there's a, another resource that I used called Hypno Babies, which was a course I took online to learn self-hypnosis for labor. Um, which that that doesn't have to be for home births. It can be for any kind of birth. And they actually gave a ton of information in order to empower you for um, having birth in the way that you want, whether you're in a hospital, you're at home, you're in a birthing center, and they give you tools for like, here's what are different, you know, standard normal practices. This is how you can decline it. If you want, you can write a letter in this way. You can give this to the nurses, like you actually have the freedom to go call a hospital and ask for a tour of their labor and delivery unit so that you can actually almost like interview in a sense where you want to give birth and go see it before you're like in the heat of the moment. Like, you know, how empowering is that? Like, I've never heard anyone else talk about that. Like, we can go ask them questions. We can go see it. We can go figure out what works best for us and our family. We don't, we're not at the whims of just the hospital that's closest to us.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. And what a great tool. I'm so happy that a course like that exists and its sole purpose is to empower and educate people um, as they're gearing up for this incredibly important life decision of bringing a baby into the world. So all the resources.
1: Yes, I definitely recommend it. And they have a good sale on Black Friday weekend, if anyone's looking.
0: (laughs) If no baby, got it. Thank you. You're (laughs) welcome. (laughs) Oh, so good. And so now kind of thinking about post-birth, how has becoming a mom changed you? Oh, I think uh,
1: in so many ways, I'm the same, but in so many ways, I'm different. Um, I think one of the biggest teachings I've had has been around, um, surrendering that what I want isn't always going to happen because it's not what's for the highest good of Lucas, or it's not what he desires, or it's not what's for the the best for our whole family as a family unit. And, uh, I was shown this multiple ways, but some of the ways that are sticking out to me are while giving birth, I had this vision, I was planning, you know, for this home birth, I was successful with the home birth, but in my vision, I was seeing myself doing a water birth. So we had this inflatable pool that I rented while I was in active labor, Eloy blew it up, um, um, Eloy's my partner for those who don't know. And, um, he had it set up, the pool was filled. And when I was in the heat of active labor, like nothing sounded good, nothing at all. Like a lot of people say, Oh, you can get in the shower in labor. Like the water is soothing. Let it run down your back. You know, getting in the water is great. It sounded horrible. The thought of it made me cringe. My body was rejecting it full force. The only thing that felt good was standing or kneeling and rocking, like side to side, um, hip swaying, basically, um, I tried to lay down, even like you know what you see in a normal hospital setting, and my body rejected that completely. I got physically ill my my dinner came up.
0: Wow. so
1: um your body knows what it needs, and um, we'll say my going just back to my labor, um, it was pretty intense. Uh, Lucas, my water broke at 2am. And then I was in pretty intensive active labor until he was born at 7.30am. And I remember just speaking to him and saying like, okay, if it's going to be this intense, I can't take this for long. Like we need to get through this together. We need to get through it quickly. And you know, a five and a half hour active labor from water breaking to birth is very quick for a first time laborer or first time mother. Um, and what's interesting is my, my midwife told me that, you know, Lucas had a shorter umbilical cord. And when the umbilical cords are shorter like that, you feel um, the contractions stronger, like more strong, <laughs> stronger. And if they're longer and they're intense, not just for the mother, but for the baby too. Wow. And so they come quicker and they come faster. And that's why the delivery happened so quickly. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. It's just fascinating. And so that, you know, was a lesson in surrendering in that like Lucas, I definitely knew that was him. He's definitely an earth and a fire energy baby does not like water the first couple of months of his life. He screamed the whole time he'd be taking a bath. And wow. you know, he did not want to come into this world physically in water. He wanted to be with it. not in that for sure. He wanted <laughs> to be dry. <laughs> <Yeah>. He knew. <laughs> yes. And so I had to honor that and do what my body was telling me. And uh he continued in that trajectory, even, you know, feeding. I had a very I really, really wanted to nourish him um, through nursing. That just felt most aligned for me and how I wanted to feed him. Um, Nothing wrong with how someone chooses to feed their baby or how they have to feed their baby. I think as long as a baby's being fed, that's what matters. Um, But for me personally, I really wanted to nurse. And uh, he was born with a, a lip and a tongue tie and he had trouble latching and It was extremely painful for me, and I had to resort to pumping, which was super time-consuming for me, and it was very hard, and it was just a serious lesson in letting go and surrendering surrendering because we ended up moving to formula Uh, after a few months. It was the best choice for our family, and that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, Um, just because I had to... Release that strong vision and and just trust that even though I wasn't giving my baby the nourishment and how I wanted to give him and how I felt would be the best for him, trusting that you know he's still getting the nourishment he needs and that he is thriving regardless.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Just we can have this plan, right? And the the whole experience it kind of forces you to surrender in a way, right? yes completely what a teaching I mean that is huge I think we all like to some extent have control issues in terms of (laughs) outcomes and like knowing what we want really strongly and like our ego is like this is it this is me this is my way but when push comes to shove we have to react in the way that the baby needs and Um, And that you need in that present given moment without being able to actually see into the future, right? Just having to respond and let it be what it is.
1: Yes. And speaking of that, if I could give any tip to any mom to be, Mm -hmm. I would say like, there's so much emphasis on preparing for the birth, like equally, if not more prepare for postpartum. That is so important, and not even just the first week or the first month, but I'm talking like months because it's such a radical shift for your life—not surface level. It's like everything changes, um, you know. And as a new mom, you're solely taking care of those ba- the baby's needs, and they're the basic needs, like the feeding the bathing, the changing the diaper, the sleeping, like, and the mom needs those needs met too, so that she can keep showing up for the baby. Kind of going back to what you were saying earlier about the root chakra with like ensuring there's that sense of safety and security and that strong foundation. That's really what it's all about as a new mom postpartum. I would say for even the first 18 months, probably um, definitely for the whole 10 months I've had Lucas, there's been this deep teaching of calming my own nervous system and creating a strong foundation within me so that I am a strong foundation and a calming calming um, force for Lucas because they can't regulate themselves yet they're totally reliant on their mom.
0: Right, right. I think that's such a good point and makes me think about like our generation and what an advantage we do have with all this information about the nervous system and self-care and ways to honor our needs. Um, so it makes me really hopeful that maybe uh, moms coming about in our generation will be able to really prioritize that self-care that mm-hmm. everyone's so deserving of in those careers. Yes. completely. Yeah. How about your spiritual practices? I'm sure like with less time for yourself, there might be a shift there. So what does that look like for you now?
1: Yeah, I would say that has shifted a lot in that I used to carve out time for myself very consistently um, in doing meditations like either before bed or um, journaling, Certain times, doing certain um, rituals depending upon the season or the moon cycle and whatnot. And as a new mom, especially in those first early months when you're tending to a baby twenty four seven, exceptionally, like even throughout the night, um, it just there there became no routine because my routine was Lucas. So, like my spiritual practice became more of a living, breathing. Um, intertwining and weaving throughout my daily life not that I didn't before but it's just um I rely on that even more so now now so it's like if I have to go to an appointment or run an errand it's like I'm almost doing like a meditation as I'm driving or I'm um, connecting to spirit guides as I'm driving or I'm Going through like shadow work in my head as I'm driving, you know, like I might not have time to journal for 30 minutes, but I can do that while I'm on a walk and I'm pushing him in the stroller or as I'm, you know, in the shower, something like that, you know.
0: Yeah, I think that's really practical. That's a really practical tip right there. It's like still create carving out that space for yourself during everyday activities that you can't avoid, right? Like doing the things like the appointments, the driving, the showers, um, just taking that extra mindful uh, pause for yourself to dive into all these different aspects and keep it present and knowing that it doesn't have to be perfect, right? We don't have to be sitting perfectly still silent in meditation to reap the same benefits as you would um while doing these other things that are so necessary too because we only have so many hours in a day, right? Yes, exactly. And I would
1: say like walking for me has been like my my like sweet spot for that because, I'm lucky. I don't want to say I'm lucky, but you know, all babies are different and Lucas loves to be in his stroller and in his car seat. So he'll nap there. So like, if I know it's nap time, I'll put him in that stroller and we'll go for like an hour walk. So it's like, I'm getting that time in nature. I'm getting that time to connect to spirit. I'm getting that time while I'm, it's like, I'm multitasking in a sense. Um, And also at the same time, I'm now at a point 10 months postpartum where Lucas is a little more regulated. So I am starting to carve out more time where like Sunday, I might go to a yoga class and Lucas will be with my mom or he'll be with Eloy. Um, I am starting to like stretch away and and create little uh, buckets of time for myself. But a lot of the times I am very much with Lucas.
0: Yeah, that's huge that's huge it's a really good point it's like this period doesn't last forever um, yes in scheme like it is a very short time frame and I think people kind of just equate having children to not having time for yourself at all anymore like that just goes away but I kind of detest that too and I love that you're starting to to feel like you're able and ready to um like part for a yoga class you know something like that I think that's really beautiful yes Yes, you put it so eloquently. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and thinking about like like staying on this spiritual journey topic, the spiritual practices, what are some of the ener- energetic ways of shaping the child even before their arrival that you experimented with and experienced?
1: Yes, I love this question. So, I believe um the soul really has certain, certain things that it wants to embody, that it wants to create an experience when it's choosing to connect with its parents and to come into the physical form as a child on earth. And at the same time, us as parents, we can help shape the energy of our child in a certain way. And that way is the name that we choose to give them. I know that sounds so simple yet it's, it is so deeply profound. I think, um, that's one of the only ways, if not the only way that we can help shape them energetically. Um, it's like an energetic imprint into the child and how they will show up into the world. And, uh, you might think like, well, how does the, how does the name like how does that really impact them? Well, every name has a meaning. Every name, like, is derived from somewhere. So, like for instance, my name Jennifer means white wave or pure.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, Lucas. His name means um, his his relates to light and pure light, loving light, something like that. Um, and what's interesting is I mentioned earlier that he loves nature and he loves trees. Well, his last name means foliage. Wow. What is yeah. his last name? His last name is Oheda.
0: And oh, beautiful.
1: It's, yeah, it's Spanish. It means foliage, like literally, like leaves. Oh. Um that's so cool. it it really shows up in in how the child like what they desire, what they're drawn to. His initials spell Leo, L E O, and we did that very deliberately because we have a cat named Leo and we thought that was a sweet nod to him. Oh. Um but we also wanted to do that because my mother's maiden name was Leonard, which starts with L-E-O. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so funny because uh, my mom sees aspects of her father in Lucas, who like the Leonard name would have come from. Yeah. And my, my grandfather was an Aries son and Lucas has an Aries moon. Oh, wow. So, Incredible. So it's like astrologically, that energy, not only it, it doesn't just pull from the name, it connects astro um, astrologically then too. He has that fiery spirit um, and he is a Capricorn sun and a Capricorn rising. So he has mm-hmm. a ton of Capricorn in his chart, which is, you know, a lot of earth energy, a lot of um, masculine. So it's like, it's very interesting how, you know, the foliage the the leonard the it's, it's all it's all pulling together and so interconnected into what he's drawn to and his his
0: personality and spirit oh that's beautiful oh my gosh i love and i'm not surprised at all at the levels of intentionality um that <laughs> went into creating and deciding on his name and how about like lucas his first name how did you land on that
1: Yes. So, um, (laughs) that was a group effort for sure. With his dad, we were going through names and Eloy feels that his name is pretty unique. And I think he appreciates names that are more, uh, I don't want to say general, but they're a little more, um, common, I guess. Yeah. And he likes that with a name like Lucas, you can have a nickname like Luke. Mm. Um, so, so you have options. Like, I think he felt a little stuck with just having his name without like a nickname.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so we both were drawn to Lucas. Like, I think he, he liked it for those reasons that you, we could call him Luke. We also call him Lukey mm-hmm. um, for now anyway. Yeah. Um, I just really like that name. I was, of course, I was the one looking at the meanings of the name. So I, I think Lucas means bringer of light. And I was like, yes, I resonate that with that so deeply. Um, and uh, I personally resonate a lot with Christ energy and Christ consciousness. And just um, I felt that Christ connection with the name Lucas as well that I really liked pulling in for him.
0: Incredible. Thanks for sharing that. I feel like I have such a good understanding of him and his little soul and his energy now too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, knowing about the whole story of naming him and just his connection with the trees and foliage and oh what a sweetie pie <laughs> yeah it's so funny and like you know the name leo i feel like you think
1: of lions you know and like with our cat leo and it's so true like i feel that fiery energy with the aries but he's also drawn to lions and i feel a lot of sun energy um, so it's just it's it's so interconnected and multi- multifaceted it's just so wild and beautiful
0: totally and hey I have a Capricorn moon and Aries rising so I feel like I know <laughs> Lucas on a deep level too just with some of those elements and forces astrologically in our charts
1: <laughs> oh amazing you're gonna have to meet him
0: <laughs> oh my gosh can't wait <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. Well, thinking about just like this time of life and where a lot of our listeners may or may not be on their path, are there any tips that you can offer for those deciding if they want to have children, if they if they don't um and how to know if you're ready?
1: I think this is such a multifaceted question. I think um part of this like going reflecting on my journey like i mentioned at the beginning of us talking i think a big part of me not feeling ready or like i wanted children at first was that i felt a lot of fear and i think some of that was collective fear like picking up on collective energy like that the world isn't safe like where is the world headed um things aren't good anymore in the world um certain things like that and i think another aspect of it was like i didn't meet the right person yet mm-hmm. i think when you are showing up in life i don't want to use the word healed but you're feeling more whole on your own and you're feeling stable and you're feeling um like your cup is full and like you're ready to give not just receive and you you are in this like powerful place and energy of just um showing up in the world and like feeling your own power. And then you meet someone else who you're, 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 resonating with and they are kind of in, in their own power too. And you, you resonate with them. Um, and you know, like, Hey, I, I, I see myself having a child with them. Like this, this could be really good. I think that really speaks volumes. I think it's, you know, there's a lot of fear in thinking about, I don't know if I'd want to raise a child by myself, you know, that might be for some people, it might not be for others. And yet I think when there's the right stability, the right foundation, the right connections um, in a partner, as well as in yourself, that eases a lot of that to be able to see and desire bringing a
0: child into the world. That feels really, really good. Yeah. And I resonate with that too. Um, Thank you. Thank you for those tips. And thank you for sharing your whole lived experience um, from pre-motherhood to current and everything in between. So I just really appreciate and value all of your insights always. So thank you, Jen. Oh, you're so
1: welcome. And I'm so grateful that I could be here to talk with you all about this. I feel like I could keep talking for hours. This is just such an important topic. And uh, yeah, I really, I really, I really, really, really feel that the children that are coming to this world now are so special and they're carrying a different frequency. And so this is really important because I feel like, you know, we need to listen to not only our own bodies, but what these these children want that are coming coming forward to come here. And it's like, how do they want to enter this earth? Not, not, not just what we want. So thank you for for listening and for opening this topic
0: up to be explored. Oh my gosh, of course. It's a new way of parenting. It's a new way of being. And that's really exciting. And I'm excited for our generation and beyond to change the narrative, right? Like apologize as parents, what? <laughs> There's so many things that are going to be so healing to come and, and humbling. So, um, I, I think we'll have to have you on again and like, um, just to consi- as Lucas continues to grow and age and all the different kind of eras of parenthood and, and learn from you and your journey. So oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: I would love that. And you're so right. It's like a whole different level of conscious parenting that's like taking over the earth right now.
0: <laughs> right. It's so true. And it's so great to see. It's very healing to even see the possibilities out there. So mm-hmm. how can our listeners connect with you?
1: Yeah. So you can connect with me on Instagram. I'm at jargon with Jen. Um, or you can visit my
0: website at Jennifer dash hoffman.co perfect yes and to our sweet listeners thank you for being with us we would love to hear your thoughts and feedback and takeaways and anything that this brought up in you you can reach out to us at awaken together podcast on instagram you can reach out to jen directly and we're always here for you can't wait to be with you all next week thanks again jen Bye. Bye.